Welcome to the Hoops in the Heartland podcast, bringing you basketball headlines from the nation's breadbasket. Yes, you heard it there. It's episode two of Hoops in the Heartland. We are having a lot of fun here, and we've got a ton to talk about as always. Jacob, we'll start with Indiana like we do every single week, and the Hoosiers took down the Leathernecks of West Illinois 98-65 in the opener. Justin Smith had 24 points. Al Durham had 21-45 between the two. Uh, Rob Finnessy chipped in 14 along with Joey Brunk 11, so a newcomer making a little bit of an impact. Give me your overall takeaways from the Hoosier opener. My overall takeaways would be Smith and uh, Durham really surprising. They came out there and they balled out. Uh, Durham hit some money threes in that first half. He went like back to back to back or something like that at one time. That's right. He didn't miss a shot. The he entire didn't miss game. a shot. He looked phenomenal. Justin Smith is finally showing his athleticism. He's showing us the potential we knew he had this entire time. And uh, I think he's really going to be a weapon going forward in the entire year. He really, really stood out to me. Yeah, I, I think uh, those two together, and again, and we'll talk about it here in just a minute, they had great days on Saturday as well. So you had two guys that, at least from Al Durham's perspective, of course he's in an interesting role right now because he's sitting here and he ran the point for a little bit. Armand Franklin ran the point mostly on Tuesday and Saturday, but Rob got some experience doing that. But he's in a totally different role than he was a year ago, and especially as he was two years ago. I mean, right. it's a totally different player at this point. Um, I don't know. Do you expect to see that from Al going forward? I mean, are you thinking, hey, this is a guy that can really step forward and make an impact? Because I think the Hoosiers are certainly searching for a guy, especially during the time frame that Devontae Green's out. We don't know right. exactly how long that's going to be. Is Al Durham maybe that guy that can step into that role? Yeah, I think he definitely is that guy that can step into Devontae's role. I think the real question is... What's his role when Devontae comes back? Because right now he's kind of right, running right. either the point or the two. Exactly. So once you have Rob and Devontae out there, obviously running the one and two, yeah. what's his what's his role going to be? Is he going to play the three, or is, are they just going to kind of go with a three-guard set and just spread everything out and let the three ball fly? I, I really don't know what his role is going to be. But for the time we have right now, he's showing us that he has really improved as a scorer. We know he can play great defense. Yeah. And Justin Smith in the first two games really showed that he has improved and matured defensively, I thought. And another component to the game that I thought was really important, something Archie stressed, Indiana made more free throws than Western Illinois took. The Leather, Actually, both teams shot fairly good from the free throw line. Western Illinois was really good, 14 of 15. Indiana was 17 for 25, so they shot 17 and made them. And uh, Western Illinois only took 15 for the game, so... That's another positive. Indiana really struggled in the first 10 minutes, I thought. But yeah. after that, the Hoosiers, at least to me, dominated the last 30 minutes of that game. Absolutely. Now, you go back and you talk to Archie, and he's like, hey, the defense is still not where we want it to be. He was really frustrated with that 40-point second half. You know, the Hoosiers only gave up 25 in that first half, but I think definitely lost some of their defensive uh, prowess in that second half, and it could be hard to do that when you go into the locker room up 21. Right. Should have been 24 had it not been <laughs> for that uh, half-court buzzer-beating three, which I think is not getting enough attention. Off the glass. Right. Uh, Kobe Webster actually used the glass three times in that game from three-point distance. So, And he had a great game. I thought he was by by far the best player that the Leathernecks had. And uh, the Hoosiers at times had trouble to, uh, you know, sticking to him, but... Uh, you know, yeah. uh, all in all, if you really put the whole thing in perspective, I thought the defensive effort was pretty good. I agree. 
You move on to Saturday. Indiana beats Portland State 85-74. Much tighter game. It's a game Indiana was favored by 20-plus in. But uh, the Vikings bring in a really interesting style. This is a team that pressed on every single defensive possession, full-court press. They mixed up their looks, so they kept the Hoosiers on their toes. Sometimes it was a man press. Sometimes it was zone. Sometimes they trapped. Sometimes they didn't. Uh, Tom Ostrom said before the game, you know, hey, this is a team that we're not going to see, you know, again, and we're not going to see looks like that very often in the Big Ten. So kind of dealing with that, and the Hoosiers only turned it over 10 times, which I, th- which I thought was really Phenomenal. important. Right. This is a team that forced 11 turnovers in the first nine minutes uh, of their opener, this talking about Portland State against, granted, a D3 team, but still forced 11 turnovers in the first nine minutes of the game. Indiana only had 10 in the entire game. Uh, but Portland State had it as close as five points with 10 minutes left in the second half. It was, a, I mean, it was not a blowout by any stretch. The final score, score definitely does it justice, and Indiana pulled away there late. But totally different battle, not on cruise control like they were on Tuesday night. Right. And I just want to shout out Trace Jackson Davis because he is doing a phenomenal job playing his role. He's going to get in there. He's First double-double double on Saturday. Absolutely. He's going to get in there. He's going to get you around 10 points, and he's going to be yeah. a monster on the, on the boards. And that's where they need him all year long. They don't need yeah. him to score 20 points a game. They just need him to play his role, play good defense, and get those rebounds and get around 10 points a game. And he's really, really do, doing a great job at yeah, that. Yeah, he went for 13-10. and 10. And I'll also remind you that Portland State last year, had they averaged 15 offensive rebounds a game. That was tops in the nation. That's a lot. It was tops in the entire nation. Indiana was plus 17 in rebounds wow. in the game. They out-rebounded Portland State 41-24. to So, big time there. Also, Al Durham, Justin Smith combined for 34 points again, 18 for Al, 16 for Smith. And, you know, the kind of dynamic duo leading things again. Uh, with Finnessy, I thought, really, you know, struggling a little bit. He played 26 minutes, only had seven points, uh, one of seven from the field. Didn't look that good. Missed a couple of threes. He missed some uh, really close shots that I think have to go in. Missed a couple 15-footers that I think have to go in if he's going to take those shots. So, Finnessy, and remember, he's still not at full strength. Right. Still dealing with that lower abdominal injury. And uh, that, that should not play much of a factor as we go down the road. Those things are kind of tricky, but a totally different situation of with him than Devontae. Absolutely. Where we really don't know how long that's going to be. So, uh, that's that's the situation on Indiana. As we look forward to this week, they have North Alabama tomorrow night on Tuesday. Indiana favored 81-59 in Ken Palm. By the way, I made an investment in Ken Palm today, and I think it might be the best investment that I've ever made. This is a $20 subscription that gets you a full year of college basketball advanced stats. Ken Palm, I think, is, in my opinion, the the industry standard when it comes Absolutely. to advanced analytics. I mean, you and I sit there and we talk about Ken Palm all the time, and that's just from looking at the very first front page where the you basic. can see the rankings because he allows you to see the rankings without purchasing a subscription. But purchasing that subscription goes a long way because now you get the predictions, now you get the analytics, where each team falls in a whole bunch of different advanced stats. So totally recommend that. And that was not a paid plug, by the way. So, not a paid plug. Not a paid plug. But North Alabama... Comes in, not a great team. Indiana's an 81-59 favorite. And uh, they get Troy on Saturday, 84-62 favorite Indiana. I think Troy's going to pose more of a threat than North Alabama will. Troy kind of runs an interesting offense. They do like to score the basketball a little bit. 
Troy, I think for sure will be the bigger threat here. And that's an 8 p.m. start. And it works out lovely for IU football and basketball fans because the Hoosier take on Penn State at uh, noon on Saturday, an ABC nationally televised game. Big game. Yeah, and, and the Troy game is a Saturday night affair at 8 o'clock. So that'll uh, that'll be fun. We'll both be there. Um, but let's put things in perspective with the entire conference, and let's talk about things from Tuesday. Of course, okay. season opening Tuesday, Kentucky playing Michigan State along with out-of-conference Duke and Kansas. And yep. I, what, what more could you ask for as a college basketball fan for the first game of the season? Kentucky beats Michigan State 69-62. Give me your thoughts from that one as Cassius Winston got his 21. But aside from that, Michigan State really struggled to score the basketball. Yeah, Michigan State really struggled to score the basketball, but Kentucky played a phenomenal basketball game. They played their their freshmen. Obviously, they're going to show up and they're going to show out. Kentucky finds a way to do it every single year. They replace the players with new players. And uh, Maxi had a absolutely yeah. phenomenal game. That kid is a star in the making. Yeah, he is. Tyrese Maxey went for 26. He is uh, going to be one of the best uh, players to watch throughout the season. whole lot uh, of fun he'll be to watch, I think, all year long. St. Mary's took on Wisconsin at the Pentagon, and that was one of two games Big Ten teams played at the Pentagon this week. whole lot of fun out there in Sioux Falls. A big fan of what uh, they've done at the Pentagon. If you don't know, it's made to look like a 50s gym, and they did a great job doing it. I, I think they set the atmosphere perfectly in there. Granted, you brought in Wisconsin and Minnesota, which don't exactly have exciting fan bases. I, I think the average age is, oh, somewhere between 65 and 70. That's for most being generous. Fans. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. Uh, especially for Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's such a difficult place to play. And think about how much more difficult it could be if there were five or 6,000 students instead of white hairs in the, you know, the first Yeah, rows. that's a scary thought. It is. And that's always the argument that you think about, uh, you know, kind of comparing it to Indiana where, and look, I am a homer, but I don't think Indiana is the toughest place to play in the nation. But I, I think the, the difference is at IU, uh, aside from the way the building's built and how loud it is because it's steep and everything just kind of comes down on top of you, the people in the first five rows, they you know they've got plenty of money, but they care and they're loud. So the they old people care. at IU are much louder than the old people at Wisconsin. So that's that's the only right. comparison that I can make. I just think they're way more invested in the game. Whatever. St. Mary's a pretty good team. They came into the uh, came into the season ranked number twenty, and uh, they took down Wisconsin in overtime. That was a pretty solid, well played game. Kind of what you'd expect from a Wisconsin team that more defensive-minded than anything else. Right. But a lot of question marks were raised about, you know, this Badgers team. I think they kind of fall in a similar boat to Indiana this year. Will they make the tournament? Will they not make the tournament? Will they find themselves on the bubble, kind of like IU did last season? I don't know. What What's your first impression against a quality opponent at a neutral site? What's your first impression of this Wisconsin team? Well, St. Mary's is a, is a good team. And Wisconsin obviously was not favored to win this game, uh, but they right. came out and they they battled. They battled yeah, to the very last minute. Did. And like you said, it is at a neutral site, and Wisconsin is a very, very tough place to play. So once they get back home, I think that they'll have no issues beating the teams that they should beat. And I think that they they won't be a top-tier team in the Big Ten, obviously, but right. I think they'll, they'll serve a role kind of like Indiana and be a bubble, 
last four in kind of looking team, okay. but I, I think they do sneak their way into the Big Ten tur- or into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I think they definitely are dangerous. Just from when you when you're a defensive team like that, you can kind of keep games close, and we've right. you can always go the other way too and say, well, if you can score, you can keep any game close because you can keep pace with anybody. Right. I don't know. I think Wisconsin's really well coached and well defensive. They are I, really. I mean, Greg Gard does a fantastic job out there, and. I don't know. I think the carryover from Bo Ryan, you know, the pipeline stays strong. A super similar type of basketball they've played. Yeah. Um, they play a Big Ten style of basketball. Through they and through. do. They definitely do. And I think that works to their advantage against Big Ten teams, which is right. what you'd expect. So I, I definitely think they can, you know, get it a couple of the upsets, perhaps, you know, knock off uh, one of the top teams, uh, i.e. Michigan State or Maryland. If things go their way and if they can keep the game in the 50s or the 60s, then I think Wisconsin has a good chance to win some of those games. Wisconsin did struggle a little bit with West, uh, Eastern Illinois later in the week, uh, but they came away with a 13-point victory in a game that was pretty close most of the second half. Illinois needed uh, overtime to beat Nichols 78-70 to on Tuesday night in the opener. Illinois yep. had a very busy week. They played three times. They played Tuesday, Friday, and last night. It's a busy slate. That is a busy slate. And they went on the road twice. They went out west to Arizona for the week, uh, playing Grand Canyon on Friday and Sunday. They played uh, Arizona. Um, we, well, I have you been were on, high on I Illinois. Have, I still am high. I really am. I think this team really does a lot of things well. And, and like I said, my whole thing was, I think Brad Underwood now has gotten to a point Kind of similar to where Archie is, I think, where Indiana's taking the next step defensively. Right. And that system is being implemented, and now you have talent to go with it. Brad's done a great job of building his recruiting base. Mm-hmm. He's gotten some really nice recruits in there, and he's not afraid to go uh, across the country or even across the sea right. to get some recruits. You know, guys like Bashanishvili come to mind, Dasunmu. So, I don't know. I, I really, I'm not ready to give up on the Illinois team yet. They had a rough start against Nichols, not a good team. It was a it was a rough game to watch. Yeah. Well, not a pretty one. No, it was not a pretty but game to watch. But it was their first game of the year. So you have to have a caveat to that because true. you cannot expect That's the team true. That's to be true. in mid-season form on a Tuesday right. for their first game of the year. Right. And they played 3 times this week, like I said. Right. Then they go to Grand Canyon, and I actually had the pleasure. By the way, I watched that on the ESPN app, and it was a Grand Canyon in-house broadcast, and those guys did a great job. You know, a little biased like I would be, but no, I thought the production was really good for being good. a campus broadcast. Illinois wins 83-71. That game was really, really close in the final moments. Grand Canyon had it down to, I believe, four points with four or five minutes left, and Illinois had to go on the road in what is undoubtedly one of the biggest games on Grand Canyon's campus, I think just to challenge yourself and go play, maybe you would consider a lower-tier opponent, you right. know, on the road in Arizona, that's a really tough thing to do and tough to come away with a victory. So I think uh, Brad Underwood earned that thing. There was a lot of free throws, really choppy second half. Everything was being called, a lot of fouls. So I didn't really like it. The, it wasn't that aesthetically pleasing to watch, but... I think Brad Underwood's team got a good victory there. Then last night, they were only down a point at halftime, and then Arizona kind of turned it on. Yeah, they were down 39-38 at halftime, um, and Sean Miller's club turned it on and pulled away. So I'm not ready to give up in Illinois yet. 
I know you were not as high on Illinois well, as I was, but I think they're thoughts. I think they're a top half team in the Big Ten. I've said from the that beginning. Says I, a lot. That says a I, lot. I think they I think they finished probably in the fifth or sixth area, which is a stark improvement over last year and the previous years. They're definitely it headed is. in the right direction. It is. Definitely. Okay. But I just don't think they're ready to make that next step yet. I don't think right. I think they need a couple more years. I'm not saying they won't get there. I'm just saying this year I think they fall in, they'll definitely be in the tournament. Okay. Definitely be in the tournament. They'll they'll fall fifth or wow, sixth in the right. Big Ten. And um they'll well, be okay. That's, they'll that's, be a solid ball club. Okay. Well, now let's talk about maybe the worst team in the Big Ten. If you would ask me on Tuesday, I would have definitely said Nebraska, but we'll tell you why there might be another contender for the worst team in the Big Ten coming up who played later in the week. But Nebraska got their doors blown off by UC Riverside 66-47 at home in Lincoln in a game that was never close in the never. second half. That is really, really concerning. The Cornhuskers had just two guys in double figures. They are a very, very young team. Um, uh, I just, I really don't know. Fred Hoiberg, they only scored 19 points in the second half. Fred Hoiberg just doesn't have it yet, and I think he'll get there at some point, but this may be a long campaign for the Huskers. Yeah, this year's not going to be a pretty year if they no. continue because they got to find a way to score. And I just don't know yeah. who it's going to come from. That's the thing. Yeah, you never, like you said, there's so many young guys. Right. I just don't know. You got to find some guy that's willing to step up and take that burden. But right now, it seems like they're all just scared to shoot. They're all scared to go out there and perform. And uh, if that continues, it's not going to be a pretty year. They shot 29% from the field in yeah. that game. They were 16 of 55 and 6 of 26 from the three point line. That sounds. Sounds a little like Indiana. I didn't say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to Wednesday. Wednesday had an interesting two-game slate. Purdue took on Green Bay, kind of pulled away in the second half. Game that was close for a long time, but uh, really not concerned about Purdue. Ohio State beat Cincinnati 64-56, by far the best game of the night yeah. in the country. And I thought, uh, except I suppose you could make a case for Florida State Pitt on Wednesday. That was a pretty good game as well. But... I really like the way Ohio State played. I think they are a complete ball club. Their offense really struggled. It took them seven minutes to score. Yeah. But they came away. They shot 41%. Not bad. 19 to 29 at the lines. Not great, but they got there a ton. There was a lot of fouls early on in that game. And so you look at an Ohio State team that, you know, it's been an improving team. And there were a lot of question marks about, you know, how good is this team going to be? So talk to me. How good is this team, and is Cincinnati a quality opponent that we should be talking about? I think Cincinnati is a quality opponent. I think it was a good win for Ohio State, definitely. Are they justified in being the 16th team in the country now in the new AP poll? That's debatable. Obviously, they're going to play a physical style of basketball. They're going to rely on on Caleb Wesson, Andre Wesson, Kyle Young. They're going to rely on those kind of guys to get them their yeah. points. Yeah, the Wesson... The Wesson kids are both really, really good. They're talented. And, and they both play very similar styles. So, But my only concern is whenever you get into the Big Ten that plays that more physical style of basketball, yeah. how do they respond to that? Meaning? Well, they've shown that they struggle to step out and shoot the three ball. They're definitely not going to be a three-point focused team this year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. And once you get into the Big Ten where you're going to have other guys that are not afraid to bang in the post— Mm-hmm. The officials aren't going to call the touch fouls. Right? Are they going to be able to feed the post consistently? Are they going to be able to get those points? Are they going to be forced to step out and shoot those nine, eight, nine, ten footers that uh that they might struggle to hit a little bit more? Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting point. I, I can I can understand that. So give me your thoughts on that. Well, here's what I saw from last year, and again, that was kind of the problem. 
they just didn't really score that much. Right. That it's I, it's such a problem for so many Big Ten teams, as we've grown accustomed to over the years. Right. You know, sometimes it's just you you look for uh, a guy that can get you points, and sometimes that's really difficult to find. But I like Ohio State. I do. I don't know, and I still am not sold on the fact that they should be in the top twenty in the country yet. I I wouldn't say. You know, although I could, you can definitely say now they have one of the better wins in the country. Cincinnati's right. a, a really nice opponent that they brought in for uh, their opener. I thought that's a that's a good move by uh, the staff. It's there. A good confidence and, booster. Yeah, I, I think you know, I, I think Ohio State's got a lot of good things going for it. I think there are some question marks to be answered. I think you're right. They were down seven points at halftime. They only had 19 in the first half. Told we talked about their struggles to score at the beginning of the game. But uh, I don't know. They got to the line a lot. Again, shooting 29 free throws, that's good. That's where they're going to have to cash in all year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I actually, you know, comparing it to a team like Indiana or a team like um, Purdue even, although Purdue's got some threats from the outside that Indiana doesn't, I, I think Indiana and Ohio State play very similar styles. We kind of saw that last year. And it was really interesting because that game last year came down the – game here really Ohio State took both games against IU and yeah basically those were the two play-in games in my mind that you could go back and look to and say these were the defining the, the deciding games on who made the tournament and who didn't because I would agree with that it, Ohio State came into Assembly Hall on a Sunday afternoon sleepy Sunday afternoon last yeah. year <laughs> uh, they won 55 to 52 in fact, Devontae Green made a three in the last minute of that game. It looked like Indiana was going to at least push it to overtime or get the last shot. And then Ohio State made a couple shots down the stretch that put it away. The Hoosiers did not get a good look on the last possession. No, not at all. Um, and then, of the course, in the Big Ten tournament, Ohio State, uh, well, in classic Indiana fashion, they just completely laid an egg and didn't turn it on. Devontae had a great game, but a lot of his points came in the last three minutes, and you were sitting there. I'm sitting at a in a bar in Florida wondering where's that been for the last 37 minutes right. and also wondering if the curse is ever going to end in the Big Ten tournament, and the answer is probably not. Not in the foreseeable future, my friend. Although, you know what? I think, let me just say this. It's back in Indianapolis this year. That is a plus. That's a plus. That's basically a home environment for Indiana. Although Indiana fans didn't have a problem traveling to Chicago. I'm not worried about that. It's just... Indiana has more experience playing at Bankers Life. Almost all these guys have played there. They will have all played there by Big Ten tournament time because, of course, they'll play Notre Dame at the Crossroads Classic this right. year in December. I, I think Indiana breaks the string, and listen to this logic. Hit me. Indiana football is now ranked for the first time in 25 years. Okay. And that means Indiana basketball will now be ending its horrific run in the Big Ten tournament. They're going to win a couple games. So, how about just going to win a couple games. Yeah. Well, okay. hey, that's hey, better that's than a, most that's a bold years. Statement. That's better that's than most years. Winning two games in the Big Ten. <laughs> winning one game is a pretty bold statement. As the only time that I've been to the Big Ten tournament, and I will likely be lucky enough to go this year, but uh, 2016, Indiana wins Big Ten championship outright in the regular season, and uh, we get tickets for Saturday. Indiana has the double bye. They don't play Wednesday, don't play Thursday. Play a Michigan team that's on the bubble that has to win to get into the tournament, basically. And, of course, they do. Well, I didn't think Indiana played that bad. Michigan just played pretty good, and then Indiana turned it over on their last possession, and Chapman made a three from the corner at the buzzer, 
and Indiana goes home without a victory in the Big Ten tournament and loses on Friday. Once again, fails to make it to the weekend. So, yeah, I don't know. That, but that's the uh, that's just kind of the story that sums it up pretty well. And then, of course, the Ohio State game. So, aside from that tangent, we'll move on to Thursday, where there was only one Big Ten game, and it was a doozy. It was Brian at Rutgers, which doesn't look real great on the surface, but um, we got back uh, just in time to see the last few minutes of that, or I did anyway, the... Um, had the women's opener, and by the way, the Indiana women look fantastic. They went for a hundred plus. They they won uh, by thirty on uh, Thursday night, beating Mount St. Mary's. Only scored seventy five. Had a little bit of a rough second half, and Coach Terry Moran was not pleased with that. By the way, but yesterday they had a program record thirty three assists on forty five field goals. And scored 111 against Nichols. So they can shoot the ball. They can shoot the ball. They are really a good threat. They're a very balanced team. They've got some inside presence. They can shoot it almost as good as any team in the country. A great free throw shooting team. They had one of the best free throw shooters in the country last year in Brenna Wise. This is a team that's going to make some noise and has a real shot to contend for the Big Ten title. Typically, that's been reserved for teams like Maryland or Rutgers or Iowa. Right. Um, but now Gustafson's gone. And that's huge because one of the best players in the country. You can make an argument um, that she was, but did not win player of the year. But I get to see her a couple times in person, and she convinced me. Anyway, Indiana's got a great chance to be in it. They are ranked as well. So um, I encourage you, if you are listening anywhere close to Bloomington, that you get out and watch the Hoosiers a couple times because they are a really fun team to watch. They're really well coached. Really, and really well coached. They are. Terry Moran's got this program seeing places that it's never seen before. Passionate, so, too. Very passionate. I really cares about this program. It's gotten some great recruits. Indiana has missed basketball again this year in Jory Allen, um, led by Allie Patberg, Brenna Wise, kids like that. And, you know, you return a player like Alexa Golbey, who's gotten a lot better. So there's, there's just a lot. I mean, I could go on and on about each kid's uh, contribution to this team, but yeah, they're really fun to watch. Okay, so Bryant, Bryant and Rutgers <laughs> came down to the final moments, and Bryant actually got a pretty good look um, out of the corner. They Give, did. You know, Steve Peichel, we all thought, had Rutgers going places, you know, last year. They had a pretty decent year last year. They had a good finish. One, In fact, their best finish in the Big Ten so far since they've been a member of the conference by right. far. This has been perennially a bottom feeder, sometimes the seller of the Big Ten. Right. And now they're taking a step forward and in, in they're competing in some of the bigger games. They're knocking off one or two big opponents a year and starting to win some games against, you know, consistently, more consistently win games against the bottom of the Big Ten, which right. is huge for a program like that. And then you watch that game on Thursday and it's like, okay, where's that gone? Geo Baker is, in my opinion, he just takes, if he was a little bit of a smarter basketball player, and I think it would help if he had some talent around him. So I don't want to put it all on Baker because... That's fair. He just makes some really bad decisions and takes yeah. some really bad shots because he feel I think, at least to me, it looks like he feels like he has to do it all. I agree. And to some extent, he does. Uh, this is a team that just doesn't have a lot of depth at all. They got basically nothing off the bench. 
and uh, Gio's one of the best shooters. He only went three for 11 from the field, so that's big, and also did not hit a three, went 0 for 5 from out there. Rutgers, of note, was three for 21 from the three-point line, and Bryant went 13 wow. of 35, so they gave up 13 threes. Yeah. This Rutgers defense actually wasn't that bad last year, but their offense was completely inept. Um, yeah. It just couldn't score, and I right. know we've, that's been a recurring theme already, but they really struggled. Outside, if you can shut down Geo Baker, and basically, if you're a team that plays any man at all, which most, most teams in the Big Ten do, you, you just double Baker and then take your chances with everybody else because oh, absolutely. you're almost never, unless you can't make any shots, you're almost never going to lose to Rutgers if you shut down Geo Baker at right. this point in time. I think, again, I'll, I think Steve Peichel's doing a good job. I think they'll get better. But right now, that's what we got. Rutgers escapes with a two-point victory over Bryant. Now's where the fun begins, and we get to talk about the bottom of the conference. That's game. right. We already talked about Illinois beating Grand Canyon, which I thought was a, a nice night on a Friday night. Grand Canyon had in that place, I got to tell you, I believe the capacity is somewhere between five and 6,000 in that gym. And I would guess, I would venture a guess to say there were between uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 4,000 of those there were students. So fantastic atmosphere. Yeah. And they put them right on the floor. Really great sight to see. It was really cool. Um, kind of tells you what college basketball is all about. But anyway. Northwestern played absolutely horrible. Horrendous. They played horrible. They get beat by a team that, guess what, has never beaten a Division I team before. In fact, they just earned D1 status this year. And in their opener, they went to Maine and got blown out by 20. Yeah. And they waltz in to Wellshrine Arena on a sleepy Friday night with uh, less than half full gym. And beat Northwestern 71-61, to 61, further solidifying Chris Collins as the biggest joke of the conference. Horrible. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I really don't even know where to start with this Northwestern team. Uh, I'm sure you can probably predict what I'm going to say. They did. They can't score, but that's the reality. But their defense was not that good. The not Warriors great. went inside when they wanted to. They complemented that with nine threes. But they did a really, really nice job of balancing the attack, spreading the Wildcats out, and they just couldn't make any shots either. Northwestern went 2 of 16 from the three-point line. But now a Northwestern team that had a pretty good player in Derek Pardon last year and Vic Law, they had a couple players, you know, that could make things happen, nearly took down Indiana early in the conference season. Looking back, actually, Northwestern, you could make a case, maybe should have won that game. Uh, that came before Indiana's horrendous losing streak. But I don't know. I, I thought this year it's you knew it was going to be a struggle. But after seeing both teams play, would you take Northwestern or Nebraska as the worst Ooh. team in the conference? That's a tough one. I think right now you got to give it to Northwestern. You think so? They lost to a team that's never won in Division One before. Yeah. By 10. Well, okay, it was it was they had to foul a couple times at yeah, the end, I get and it. it was basically a one possession game with a minute to go. Uh, even still, they were still down one at halftime. They though. were so basically like, down. By the way, they were down. I don't even know if they ever led in the second half. In fact, I don't think they did. I think they tied it a few times, but I don't recall them leading. If it was, if they did, it was not more than a point or two. So, again, did not even lead in the second half. Basically, so right, that's something to think about. But don't let me discount Nebraska here. 
Don't let me think that I've given Nebraska a bye here. Let's jump forward here Okay. into Saturday and let you know that Nebraska lost to Southern Utah, so they're now 0-2. They lost in double overtime, 79-78. Also, fun fact, uh, Barrett Peary, head coach of the Portland State Vikings, if you were uh, keeping track of that Indiana game, that's his alma mater. So did a little connection there, There a little Portland State and Southern Utah connection. And Southern Utah takes down Nebraska. The Thunderbirds walk into Lincoln, win 79-78, double overtime, hitting a fallaway shot with a couple seconds left in the second overtime to win it. And Fred Hoiberg's Cornhuskers lose again. So, I'll ask again. You said Northwestern. How do you defend a team that's 0-2 at home that just lost to Southern Utah and UC Riverside in the same week? You know, it's really hard to defend them. Yeah. It's it's really hard. At least they went to double overtime, I guess. I don't really I, well, know what to say other than that because hey. both the teams are so horrendously bad that it is such a bad look for the Big Ten okay. to have two of your teams, no matter if they're at the top or the bottom, to be literally losing to a team that has never won in a D1 game before. Yeah. Well, here's why I think Nebraska's worse. Hit me. Well, here's what says a lot. Nebraska had an 11-point lead at halftime that they blew in the second half. That is that true. Day. Hey, so you do have to give Nebraska some credit. They were leading at halftime. At least they were leading. Game. Northwestern doesn't know what that's in like. Fact, <laughs> in fact, uh, Nebraska was, I believe, a six- or seven-point favorite around game time. Okay. Um, But I think Nebraska is definitely worse. And, look, they're both bad. And before we even talk about the rest of Nebraska, let's think about what implications this has on the rest of the Big Ten. Right. Because the bottom, we've we've talked about this you know, multiple times throughout this week. How much does it impact the rest of the good teams in the Big Ten, knowing that the bottom sucks? I think it has some serious impacts, especially come tournament time, because yeah, yeah. the Big Ten has kind of always prided itself on being a good conference from top to bottom. Right, and so, that's, so that's the, what they looked like last year, right? right they were very exactly. balanced. They had even the teams at the bottom. They had the chance. They, they competed. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you look at teams like Rutgers and Northwestern and even Indiana and Nebraska at the bottom last year, but they competed for the most part and would keep you in games. And then the middle pack of the league was really, really solid. And then, of course, the top half wasn't quite elite, right. except maybe you could make the argument of Michigan State. But outside of that, wasn't elite. And uh, no game was really know. a cupcake, though. No, that's true. That's true. And come NCAA tournament time, the committee's gonna look down on that with the fact that oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, now, right now, before you even say anything else, okay. you are giving the committee way too much credit because you know that they really don't usually make up their mind. And whenever that is true, that is look, true. <laughs> basically, it always seems like whatever is. Worst for the Big Ten is what the committee takes. because That's about right. You know, last year just proved that just, you know, knowing Indiana's resume and where they had. And look, I'm not making an argument that Indiana should have been in the tournament. They would not have won a game in I'm the not tournament. I'm not, I'm not saying that Indiana deserved to be in. But just looking at a fact that they really weren't even that close. They were close, but they weren't that close to right. being in the tournament. That just kills you because... Indiana had a ton of good wins. They beat Michigan State twice. Yep. They had a boatload of great wins. 
and they really weren't even that closely considered. And Indiana's schedule was very, very difficult last year. It totally was. different than what we looked at this year, mostly because their non-con was super tough last year. And the Big Ten slate, they didn't play really any terrible teams in the Big Ten, and they didn't make the tournament. So, right, I don't know. And, and everybody's always like, oh, you got to make tough schedule. Well, obviously that does absolutely nothing because Indiana, if, if that's the case, and Indiana had six quad one wins, then they would have been in the tournament. So if Absolutely. that's actually, you know, how it goes, so it's not how it goes. So how is it going to be? Like, well, last year obviously they valued wins, right? Right. So yeah. it screwed the Big 10 over. Now this yeah. year it would be an absolute classic to watch them. The year that the Big 10's bottom is not very good and they're going to get some free and wins. Be like, hey, it's going to be like, "Oh, hey, you guys tough. got it. You guys got a schedule tougher." <laughs> like, I don't know what to say, but you guys just have no no quad 1 wins like yeah, quad it's 2. Terrible. You're horrible. Horrible. I mean, yeah. you guys are you guys are playing quad, quad 3. Te- yeah, you guys are playing three, quad, quad 3 four. and quad 4 in your conference. <laughs> like you guys just got to pick it up. Yeah. Wouldn't that just be so classic because well, the committee before I was not giving the committee credit by the way because the committee literally I'm going to go on a little rant about this just for a second. Please do. Please do. The committee every single year Changes their mind on what's important. Yes, they do. One year, it's, oh, how many good teams did you beat? Next year, oh, what was the overall strength of your schedule? The next year, oh, I don't care anything about schedule. How many wins? Did you have 30 wins? In. Like, two seed. Doesn't matter. Does yeah. not matter. Belmont. Yes. Case every, in point. Every, Belmont ex- is exactly. my case in point because Belmont last year, and I'm not discounting Belmont and what they can do. I really not. And I like to see some of those teams make it in. And that's always that's the age-old argument, right, is do you want to see a – mediocre, middling Indiana team, basically. An Indiana-type team, right? you know, that was mediocre in the Big Ten, had a losing record in conference. But you could make a, especially with the way they played at the the end of the season, save for the Ohio State Big Ten tournament game, if you nix that game out of there, the last four or five games of the year Indiana played, they were really good. They took down Michigan State and Wisconsin. I mean, that's impressive. Some quality wins. Exactly, exactly. They played really good basketball at the end of the year. So would you rather have that team or a Belmont team that didn't win their conference tournament. Right. They had 30 wins, but they had almost zero good wins. Right. I mean, basically zero. Right. And they were playing almost exclusively quad three, quad four. I don't even remember what their best win was last year, but I think it was like 38 or 39 right. in, in the net ranking. So I don't understand. To me, look, I like the charm, and I think that's what the NCAA tournament's all about. But the at the end of the day, you want the best teams in the tournament. Exactly. And who can do you... You like a team out of the Big Ten that's tested and has beaten really good quality teams. Do you want a team like that in the tournament or a team like Belmont that hasn't even played a good team this year? Right. Like, you know, that's the argument to me is Indiana had six quality wins. And look, again, I'll say it again because I'm really not trying to advocate for Indiana. I'm just using I'm Indiana's either. resume as an example. Right. Six quad one wins against really high quality. These aren't just quad one wins, people. This is, you know, beating Michigan State twice. Exactly. That says a lot. Right. Would you rather have a team like that that is proven and can beat good teams in the tournament and, you know, playing in the first four? And I, I think a team like that, to me, has at least some potential to win a couple games in the tournament. And that's what least. it's all about. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, move on a couple rounds and see what you can get from there. But to have Belmont in there just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, my biggest thing is just make up your mind. If you want to have strength of schedule be a big point of emphasis, then just say it. Like, just be more transparent with the teams because the teams go back and forth and they schedule tough, they get punished for it. Then they schedule easy, they get punished for it. Make up your mind and figure out what you're going to judge people on because this year with them rolling out the quad one, two, three, four thing, 
Yeah. I thought that they were really going to make an emphasis so on strength of schedule so because I, I, I was think, like, look, I actually like the system. I can't believe I'm saying that. I cannot believe I'm saying something. At least it's a system, though. It's a system, and it's way better than the RPI was. RPI was RPI outdated. Was RPI sucked. I mean, I would have been way more comfortable either using Sagarin or Ken Palm in rating teams. I agree. I would I would I agree. pick Ken Palm over Sagarin in college basketball, although I'm a big Sagarin fan. You know how that is with the high school football and basketball, and that's great. Homer. I am a homer with that, especially. And I have every reason to be. Don't get me wrong. But Ken Palm, I think, does a great job, and we've talked about that on this program plenty yeah. of times. But, yeah, I, I, I like the system that they rolled out. I really do. I, I don't think it's bad. I think the quad system's good. I think it's good think to it's separate a, they're teams. They're heading in the right direction. At least getting in the right direction. And then they throw it in the garbage. They so, just don't even follow it at all. That's they, just they they roll it out for all these new teams to see, and all the teams are thinking, okay, they're just going to go by this. So we're going to schedule yeah. and make sure we get in a quad one like opponents that way we have a chance to get those quality wins. Right. And I know, look, I know you're not, you you can't always like go off of what one ranking system says. I totally understand that. I get it. I get I it do, too. You know, but holy moly. They didn't even use it at all. They have no justification. They just threw it in the trash they, can they and just said, all right, let's start fresh. Then, yeah, they, they talked about it all year, and they, they did the freaking net rankings halfway through the year. Like exactly. They did the, the top 16 reveal, and we're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be great. They're going to use. We know how to do it now. You get a better idea of who's going to be in, who's going to be out on transparency. selection. Exactly. You like know going into Selection Sunday. It's not just like some random whatever the committee's feeling like that day in, in right. Indianapolis. And, oh. <laughs> I just, I don't know what else to say on that. I think we're just going to leave it at that point because I don't want to talk about it anymore because yeah. I'm just going to keep getting mad. I'll so, go for 30 minutes on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, that does it for Friday, at least the interesting games. By the way, this is just us picking the most interesting games out of the week or the closest games or whatever. We're leaving out some of the lower-tier blowout games. Right. Um, but Saturday had a really interesting slate aside from that Southern Utah-Nebraska game, which was just stupid. Uh, we'll start with Oklahoma and Minnesota, which was also at the Pentagon. Whole lot of Big Ten fun. 71-62 Oklahoma wins, and they went on a huge run at the end of the game. Yeah. It, Minnesota had, it looked like that game, at least semi in check, up 8 or 10 points pretty late. And then Oklahoma right. won, went on a huge run to finish the ball game, outscored the Gophers 45-30 to in the second half. And uh, Minnesota just didn't shoot it all that well. Shot eight for 32 from the three-point line. Oklahoma put four guys in double figures. What do you think about Minnesota? Because Minnesota raises an interesting point with uh, with with Coach Patino out there. Right. You know, there's been a lot of question marks about this team, and there's been a lot of in the power pools. <laughs> it just shows you that even though I hate them, you know I still read them. Which is what you should do to this podcast and tell your friends that you should listen to this podcast because even Absolutely. if you hate us, even if you hate us, you should listen, okay? Um, but yeah, and it is your good friends, Derek Decker and Jacob Collins, along with you today, by the way. That's right. And uh, this is a one-size-fits-all podcast. It Anybody. absolutely is. And even if you hate us, even if you hate us, listen, because it helps us out. Hey, so tweet at us. Tell, are, us, tell, exactly. us you, tell us that you hate us. Look, we are two college kids. And any source of extra revenue, and this is making us about mm, 25 cents a week. So that's big time money, I would say. Big. I would say. Power moves. Yes. Um, I'll also throw in the fact that I think we're going to have a really nice, interesting guest next week on the podcast, possibly. So please tune in next week because next week could be real interesting. And a, a big name, we'll just leave it at a big name in college basketball. We're working on something. We are working on something. So 
it does give you an idea that we do something in our spare time here at IU. We don't just sit around we and don't. do we nothing. Do. We're, we're go-getters. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Go-getters. Yeah, go-getters. All right. Um, Oklahoma beats Minnesota. Thoughts on Minnesota after a game of the season? Well, Minnesota's just not quite there yet. Right. I have my doubts about Little Patino. I'm not uh <laughs> yeah. That's what I call him by the way, Little Patino. And he deserves to be called that. Yeah. He's he's not falling up to daddy's footsteps or daddy's uh shoes here, but um look. Oh, you mean like cheating scandals and bringing strippers in Yeah, he's just not there rooms? yet. He he's got yeah, some work. Right. He's got some you're room right. for improvement there. Yeah, that's true. Um and I just don't I'm not a believer in Minnesota at all. Yeah. I just don't think I don't even really think they're heading in the right direction. I don't know what he's even trying to do really. I don't think anybody does really. I they're just going to be See that's the thing is most of the teams in the Big 10 you can figure out well here's their identity like here's what they're based around here's what they're trying to do. Like Illinois even when they were bad you could tell that what direction they were trying to head in. Right. What are they trying to do? How are they trying to beat you? Minnesota is just like super random because they they're play just there and they're just not they really They just try to like win and I <laughs> I just think it's like this thrown together game plan every week. It is. So, I don't I know. just feel like the roster is just not that well constructed. I just feel like the right. game plan is just not I, I don't know what's going on in the coaching staff over there, but it's right. not a whole lot that's good. All right, so now the last uh, team that we haven't talked about yet in depth is Purdue, and they lost to Texas on Saturday night in what was a dandy of a basketball game. Fantastic basketball That game. was uh, probably outside of those first couple games of the season on Tuesday night in the opener. Uh, to me, the best college basketball game of the season so far. Texas comes into a very loud and rocking Mackey. Um, I could definitely not convince me otherwise that Mackey is one of the toughest places to play in the country, and I think uh, the crowds there have been great. Absolutely, it, you know, with the uh, with the metal roof, just makes things just unbelievable. Totally different atmosphere than almost any other place, right, in the country. And uh, people always have the debate whether Assembly Hall or Mackey's hard to, and I just say they're both extraordinarily yeah, hard places to play. Yeah, they're both extraordinarily hard. I don't really I know. Say, I would say that. Um, Purdue has a better consistent uh, atmosphere that they bring for any for almost every single game. That I would agree with. Indiana can get it loud for big games, but they're not always there. Big for Ten not games, big it's games. most the big time. Big Ten games, most of the time. Non-con, it struggles sometimes. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. Uh, well, I won't touch on the high IQ basketball standpoint. It's from the fans' perspective. Just we'll maybe get at that a little of, bit later. Yeah, we'll get into that sometime, but. Today's not the day. Anyway, Purdue falls 70-66. to 66. Purdue had the lead for some of that. That was a very back-and-forth game. It was. It was a really, really well-played game, I thought, on both ends. For Save sure. for the last couple minutes, Purdue really kind of fell apart. They did. They turned the ball over a couple times late in the ball game. Sloppy. Uh, Stefanovic was great off the bench for Purdue. Came in and made four threes for 14 points uh, on the evening. Uh, but the big names didn't play that well. Wheeler had four points. Harms had nine. I thought Harms really struggled inside, especially yeah, on the did. defensive end. No Jolly Eastern only had six did points. Did not look that good. Yeah, there were a lot of things that Purdue didn't do well. They shot it well again, which has been the trademark of this team, and it was one of the big question marks, and a lot of that was from Stefanovic, but right. they went eight for 16 from the three-point line. That's really good. Really good. They only got to the line 12 times. There was not a lot of fouls in this game. Pretty. That's what made it great to watch was that it was a pretty free flowing, uh, not a lot of fouls, a lot absolutely it was a very smooth game to watch, and it's super nice to see that in November. Right. Um, but does it change any of your thoughts on Purdue? Purdue uh, dropped out of the top twenty-five, of course, this week as the AP poll was just released before we came on air. But uh, does it change your thoughts on Purdue? Any uh, losing at home to Texas? 
I don't really change my mind that much. I think Texas is really well coached. I think they're they a really, really good basketball team. Yep. Um, they're also receiving votes. They have they received like 100 votes or something this week, I think. So yeah, I think they were second or third out in the top right. 25. So it's not like this is a yeah. terrible team that Purdue just no, lost no. to at no, home. No, 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 not at all. And even though they didn't do a great job of getting the big names the points, you yeah. saw some other guys step up. Oh, absolutely. You know, so I'm not really concerned about Purdue. I think they're going to be fine. I think right. that they'll... They'll still be definitely in the top half of the Big Ten. They'll they'll be third through fifth somewhere. Fair enough. Okay, so we've talked about everybody. Uh, Arizona beat Illinois last night. We talked about that a little bit too. So let's preview this week as we will do every week on this podcast. That's right. And this week we have the incredible joy of getting to watch the Gabbitt games. Those are a whole lot of fun. Indiana doesn't get to play in those this year, which is super disappointing. That is disappointing. Because the Gabbitt games went fantastic for IU last year, yeah, destroying a good Marquette team at home, ultimately in uh, in a fashion where they didn't beat hardly any other team of the season. They shot it really well They did in that game. And Evan Fitzner had a quality game in that one, but we're not talking about the Fitz family around here. We already talked about that last week, and that's the only opinion you need to know. As loser mentality. It is a loser mentality, and it runs through the bloodline. All right. DePaul at Iowa on Monday. Ken Palm likes Iowa 79-71. That's tonight. A little interesting matchup there. Iowa's a weird team this year, kind of, too. Uh, Fran McCaffrey, we haven't talked about Iowa because they didn't play anybody good last week, but uh, early season impressions of the Hawkeyes. Um, The Hawkeyes, they always like to just play that kind of reckless style of basketball. They like to speed the game up. You know why they're reckless? Because they're coached by a reckless man. Oh. All right, we're not going to get. He's into my least it. favorite coach in the Big Ten, by the way. Yeah, we're not going to get into the coach this it episode. It used to but... be Tim Miles versus Fran McCaffrey, and it was close. I thought Fran always had a little edge. Tim Miles always struck me as this little, uh, this little guy that you can never <laughs> like this little bug that you can't get off your windshield. But Fran McCaffrey is the ultimate. Oh, you want a haters guide? You just need to listen to this podcast because yeah, yeah we'll tell you our <laughs> we'll opinion. Talk to you about we Fran. will be honest with you. Oh, oh Fran great. is horrible. Anyway, but they are reckless. They like to shoot the three ball about a, a thousand times each game. Yep. and uh, it they're really weird. they're a, they're a coin toss kind of team, especially this year when they don't have quite as much talent as they did last year. Yeah. Um, if if the coin flips in their favor and they're hitting that three ball, yeah, they'll they'll, well, they'll beat DePaul pretty easily. That's kind of the deal. Is you know when you live and die by the three like that like Iowa always has, at least under Fran McCaffrey. And now he has a kid that plays for Iowa, as he got on the floor a little bit last year, and he's getting even more playing time this year. What a joy he is to watch. Just like Daddy. (laughs) Just like Daddy, and he acts just like him. It's great. Tomorrow night, uh, on Tuesday, we got Creighton at Michigan and Minnesota at Butler, so a couple interesting matchups. I think Creighton provides a good early season test so we can kind of feel out where Michigan's at right now. Juwan Howard gets a good test. Michigan yeah. is favored in Ken Palm, 75-71. Also, Minnesota is a 10-point dog at Butler, 73-63. Hey, Butler's up to 27th in Ken Palm. It's impressive. So, uh, you know, the computer liking the uh, <laughs> the dogs here early in the season. Um, But, you know, I, we'll get a little feel on Michigan. What do you think? Well, again, that's another team we didn't talk about in the recap because they didn't play anybody good. They played Appalachian State in their opener. Uh you know, I, what do you feel like you can learn from a test where you get Creighton at home? It's the Blue Jays are always a an interesting team, usually competing to get into the tournament. Absolutely, uh, one of the one of the better teams in the Big East usually. For sure, I think Michigan's going to be a pretty good ball team this year. I think that um, yeah. I think that they're going to be well coached. 
I still have some question marks just because he's unproven. Yeah, he is. But I have a really good feeling about him. I think that he'll follow in the footsteps. But we also talked about that. We don't really know if he's going to trend his, like, blaze his own path or if he's that's just going to try to. That's a great point. So that's really what I'm going to be looking for against this Creighton team is what kind of style of play are they going to identify with? Yeah. Are they going to try to give us that more defensive look all game long? Mm-hmm. Are they going to play that really disciplined kind of basketball we're used mm. to seeing Michigan play? Yes. Or are they going to get out there and are they going to try to run a little bit with Creighton? Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like that. Uh, Wednesday night is the best slate of games in my mind. Uh, Villanova goes to Ohio State, which should be a fantastic Phenomenal game. game. You want to talk about learning a bunch about teams right here? Here's two things, two teams that I think have been marginally overrated coming into the year. Villanova had yeah. a drop-off after last year's success, but Ohio State's been climbing in the polls. Ken Palm likes Ohio State 67-65. Which I find interesting. Yeah, me too, but I don't know. That should be a really fun game to watch. Then you got Purdue at Marquette. Marquette's a one-point favorite in Ken Palm in that one. And Providence at Northwestern. Uh, Friars are a seven-point favorite, although how Northwestern looked on Friday night, I would, Not be pretty. I would anticipate that could be a double-digit game. Thursday, Penn State at Georgetown. George, that's actually that a really be a good game. Yeah, uh, Georgetown's not great, although they've had uh, they've had their moments this year so far, and expected to be a little bit better and more farther along. Than I feel they like were that could year. kind of be like a sleeper game this week. Yeah, I agree with you. Although it's going to be overshadowed by Michigan State at Seton Hall, which right. is also that night. State is a seventy-five seventy favorite. So, oh, it's going to be a great game. That'll be another good one. You got Minnesota Utah on Friday. And the Utes are a one-point favorite. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. Minnesota. Minnesota, whatever. And yeah. Sunday, rounding out the slate at 1 o'clock matinee on Sunday is Marquette at Wisconsin, which should be a great one as well. Phenomenal game. Marquette gets two Big Ten teams this week in Purdue and Wisconsin. So talk about a challenging early season slate in a rivalry game there. So that's uh, some of the games to look forward to this week, and we'll finish out with this, and we'll continue to do this each week on the podcast here. Um, Jacob, give me your pick of the week out of that slate of games. My pick of the week would have to be that Nova Ohio State game. Yeah, because we're that just was gonna a f- close second for me. Yeah, we're just gonna have we're gonna figure out so much about both teams during that yeah. game because, like you said, both teams are pretty untested. Uh-huh. Lots of doubts about both of them as to why they're so high in the AP poll. Right. So we'll see if they live up to that hype or not. Um, kind of. A little bit of a clashing style of basketball being played. Um, I think it'll be a really interesting matchup, and I I really can't wait to see how those two teams play it out. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, My pick of the week is Purdue Marquette, which is also Wednesday night. Marquette's a one-point favorite in that one, but I think we will learn more about Purdue than we will about Marquette. I think Marquette is pretty set at this point. We know what they're trying to do, trying to run through Marcus Howard. He is one of the best players in the country. Anytime you get a chance to see him. He's a special player. He certainly is. We got to see him last year here in person at Assembly Hall. And, man, is he good. And he got basically shut down by Indiana uh, in that game. But, you know, he's one of those guys that's just like you look up at the scoreboard and he's got 17 points. He's just like he's going to get like his Cassius points. like Winston. You just don't know yeah. how he does it, but he does it every single week. Yeah. Every some, single game. You know, like, it's just... There are some teams that are just going, you know, there's those guys out there that are like, they're going to get their points. And uh, so that should be a whole lot of fun to look forward to as well because I think Purdue going on the road is a good early season test. We get a chance to, you know, kind of find out where they're at a little bit. We'll see how they bounce back. Yeah, that's that's the big question for me is how are they going to bounce back after a – 
disappointing home loss. It's a game that you know you come in, you're, you're you hope you can win those early season games against quality. It's a tough That's game, you but you hope you can you hope you can right. do it. Confidence re- boosters. Remember, this is a there was a home and home with Texas, which. Kudos to Matt Painter for scheduling that. I think Absolutely. that's fantastic. We got a great game last year. Um, Carson Edwards dropped forty in uh, in Texas, oh, yeah, that's right. I and remember they that. didn't win, and Purdue did right. not win. So actually, Texas took both games of that home and home series. So interesting there. But that's who I like this week. So that wraps it up on this week's edition of Hoops in the Heartland. Certainly appreciate you listening and uh, check back each Monday. You can find us anywhere you can get your podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Music, all the above. Just think of it. And if it's on a podcast platform, we're probably on there. On behalf of Jacob Collins, this is Derek Decker saying so long. Have a great week and God bless.